There we go. You know, I'm used to the Toby two-step, but the the Toby, I don't know what this is, but I don't like it. Stay on that side of the curtain. All right. <laughs> well, hello to the rest of you, and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. It just uh, took me about a good 10 minutes for me to uh, take off my ice skates. Yeah, from, uh, from walking to my car and, and back, but uh, I'm feeling good, though. I'm not feeling good. You know why? Why? Because, you know, I went to a, a late lunch today. I went to one of those establishments where, you know, they have the packets of, like, butter and mayonnaise and whatever. And uh, so I'm over there. I'm getting my water. And mm-hmm. this dude starts chucking mayonnaise at me. What? Right. I was like, what the hell, man? Who does that? This is, it, did I miss the joke? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was tucked in there. The whole, the hell man, the hell man's. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we call subtle oh, punnage right gosh. there, my friend. Wow. I was almost afraid to drop that on you because I you thought. Should've, it should have been like, what the hell, man? Yeah. Or something was like it that? the delivery yeah, that ruined don't, it? Don't worry about it. It's all good. Well, it's a miracle you're not coming over and whipping <laughs> me then, I guess. Oh, huh? my God. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. Well, together on the show, we do not just do bad puns. We also listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless but sometimes not so well-known songs they sampled from. So, Tub, what do we have today? We are listening to the smoky, sweet vocals of none other than Chris Stapleton and his hit song, Tennessee Whiskey. It's a okay. good song, man. That's a great song. It's a great artist. I can't wait to get into it. So, let's get rolling. That's right. Why don't we hop in the DeLorean and see what track was sampled to make this hit? Rewind! <laughs> We were going to let this track marinate or yeah. whatnot, but, you know, why not just... I'm just going to tell them what we're listening to. Why okay. not? Thanks, buddy. We are listening to the incomparable vocals of one Miss Etta James and her hit song, I'd Rather Go Blind. Now, Joe, I got to tell you, I've been waiting for an excuse to research and learn more about this vocalist for some time, so I'm happy to be here. Yes, sir. Well, anyone that has won six Grammys and 17 Blues Music Awards, in addition to being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is certainly worthy of all the accolades that she's received. So, why don't you start us off with a little information about Ms. James. I can definitely do that. So, James Setta Hawkins was born on January 25th in 1938 in Los Angeles. She never knew her father, although it was speculated that he was none other than the famous pool player Rudolph Minnesota Fats really? Wanderdome. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? I've never heard that before. Yes. Wow. Okay. So her mother was only 14 years old when James Setta was wow. born. You know, so wow. she was in and out of her life. And, yeah. you know, as a result, James Setta was actually living with several different foster families. Yeah. And one of those families she stayed with was a couple named Sarge and Mama Lou. While staying with them, she received vocal lessons from the musical director of the Echoes of Eden Choir at St. Paul Baptist Church. The musical director, James Earl Hines, was physically abusive with his vocal instruction to ensure that James Sutter sang from her gut. Yeah, it's a pretty sad story, man. James Sutter was punched in her chest Ugh. to make sure that she sang from her diaphragm. Now, to, to make matters worse, like, that's not, you know, bad enough. Right. She also suffered abuse from Sarge at home. 
He'd wake her up in the middle of the night to sing for his friends during, like, poker games and things like that. It definitely wasn't the optimal way of learning how to sing or practicing singing. And I'm, frankly, I'm surprised just reading about all this stuff. I'm surprised she kept singing when she actually had a chance to stop. Yeah. Well, at the age of 12, her foster mother, Mama Lou, died, and her biological mother took custody of James Seta. They left for San Francisco, and there she began listening to doo-wop and formed a girl group called the Creolettes. So at the age of 14, she met a musician named Johnny Otis, who is credited for a couple of things. So this is actually pretty cool. So first, he changed the girl group name from Creolettes to the Peaches. Okay, okay. that's an upgrade. I can support that, that one, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's also credited with renaming James Seta by transposing her first name, making it Etta James from that point that's, that's, on. That's good, too. Yeah, I, I definitely approve of both these messages and yield back my time. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Otis tasked the Peaches to record the answer song for a track called Work With Me, Annie by Hank Ballard. Let's take a listen. Annie, please don't see Kind of work we talk about here. Hold on. So good. So good. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, now let's listen to what the Peaches did with their response song called Roll With Me Henry, released in 1955. Yeah, this sounds like most relationships. Work with me. Roll with me. They're just talking over each other. Nobody's, <laughs> there's no consensus here. Well, the funny part about this is uh, this song actually goes by a couple of different names, including Dance With Me, Henry. Uh-huh. And there's another version called Wallflower. We'll talk about that later. But the Dance With Me, Henry, it was supposed to initially start off as Roll With Me, Henry. But then that people thought they had a little bit too much of a... It's too uh, risque? Too risque. Wow. So you they had to dance, change You can't roll. You, right, 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 right. <laughs> so they changed it. The song was a hit by February 1955. Roll With Me, Henry reached number one on the R&B charts. And that helped them get on a national tour with this guy. Good golly, Miss Martin. Show like the ball. Good golly, Miss Martin. Man, he burned up those microphones. Didn't he? Well, that is Little Richard and his hit song, Good Golly, Miss Molly. And I'm sure that we will do a show on him in the future. Mm -hmm. But for the time being, let's get back to Etta James. Tell we've discussed several artists that have borrowed bits of other songs, incorporated them into new songs, and then, I don't know, claimed it as their own. We just did an episode on that a little while ago with Ed Sheeran, right? Right. So, you know, I've said oftentimes that I can see this happening. It's not malicious. It's not intentional. There's only so many chords and chord progressions, right? Right. But why do I feel like there's a big butt coming? <laughs> and why are, why are you smiling? Well, well I'm smiling because you just said there was, there was a big butt, and then you said I was smiling. So, Oh, boy. And you never can Poison. trust a big butt <laughs> and a smile. But you can good. trust me, sir. Right, right. That's good to know. Good to know we're not tapping into your inner Bell Biv DeVoe no. right no. now. Back to Miss James. Apparently, while James was on tour with Little Richard, a pop singer by the name of Georgia Gibbs recorded a version of the Dance With Me, Henry, and called it Wallflower. Hmm. Well, taking the song is one thing, but adding insult to injury, Gibbs' version reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So I suppose we have to take a listen. We do. You gotta dance with me, Henry. All right, baby. Dance with me, Henry. Man, 
Very different version. Yeah. Yeah, very different version indeed. So this definitely made James uh, a little upset. Yeah, I'm and sure. That, and that led to her making some changes. She left the Modern Records label and signed with Chess Record label that was founded by two brothers from Chicago by the name of Leonard and Phil Chess. This would be very instrumental in her career due to the vision that Leonard Chess had. He wanted to take James's vocal stylings and add strings to have a little bit more crossover appeal and turn her into a pop star. Well, it's safe to say that Miss James leaves quite an impression, and apparently not only on record labels. Mm. It has been said that she dated B.B. King when she was 16, yeah. And it's rumored that Mr. King wrote this song for her. You know I love you, baby. I loved you before I could call your name. You love, you know I love you, baby. Singing that song. Yeah. I think I'm a bigger fan of BB's voice than, than his playing. Not that he's not an iconic player. No, nah, he's, he's got a yeah. heck of a voice, right? So that was a track called Sweet 16 by BB King. And like you said before, it's safe to say that Miss James leaves quite an impression. She began to work with Harvey Fuqua, and some of these songs became hits as well. One song in particular was written by blues musician Willie James Dixon, who was known for hits like Little Red Lobster and A Little Jim that was sung by none other than Muddy Waters himself. Let's take a listen to Hoochie Coochie Man. Then the world mm-hmm. the song that makes you feel naughty well okay i wasn't gonna say that but <laughs> oh i'm sorry what were you gonna say Tom? <laughs> it doesn't matter now <laughs> it doesn't matter at all it was one of the songs that you kind of you didn't know the words to per se but yeah. you knew you you know you knew the chords you knew that you know right you, know. you got the vibe but never i never knew it was called hoochie coochie man uh, i didn't know that gotcha so that's uh, interesting well it's a classic song it's been covered by many artists including chuck berry so I see your reference, and I'm going to do you one better. Hoochie Coochie Man was sampled for a song with Nas featuring Olu Dara, entitled Bridging the Gap from Nas's 2004 release, Street Disciple. Any day I get to play Nas is a good day. Let's take a listen. All the boys call him Nas. I told him as a youngster, he'll be the greatest man alive. Let's go. Yeah. I like when they when they did this out. That was pretty cool. <laughs> There's so much cool stuff in this track, actually. The way it builds and goes. Yeah, they did a nice job. The drums sound nice and authentic too. All right, well, let's get back to Miss Etta James. Willie Dixon wrote a song called "Spoonful" that was recorded by Howlin' Wolf in 1960, covered by Etta in 1961, and then was redone by the British band Cream. So we're not going to play this one for you guys. We're going to task our listeners with mm-hmm. some work. Go listen to these side by side and let us know what you think on social. Yeah, please do that. Please do that. So 1960 was the year that James released her debut album, At Last, on Chess Records. And this album contains two of my favorite Etta James songs. The first is Sunday Kind of Love. Let's take a listen to that. I want a Sunday kind of love. Listeners, if you get a chance, listen to this song with headphones on, good mm-hmm. pair of headphones, because they mix songs completely different back in the day yeah. than they do now. And I'm telling you, it's a treat. It's a treat. You'll get goosebumps. Yeah, that's it's a beautiful nice. Thing. 
Well, the second track, At Last, shares the same name as the album and could definitely be considered one of her signature songs. It reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100. I think it's been played at a bazillion weddings. Oh, for sure. Right? So let's give that one a spin. At last. See, you can, you can hear Leonard Chess's, you know, vision. Yeah. You know, adding the strings into it. I was like, man, that, that, was, that was crucial. You know, she didn't sound like just anyone, you know? Well, and then her voice. Oh, well, right? So obviously. Put those two together, it's like, yep. This album had four songs that all charted at number five or better, and the strength of the music propelled the album to go gold. So James and Chess really wanted to strike while it was hot, right? And released another album within a year's time entitled The Second Time Around, which contained her hit single, Fool That I Am. Let's play that. For falling in love with you. Pretty song, man. And Very pretty. Pretty, pretty song. So James released a live album in 1963 called Etta James Rocks the House. And saw some success, but really took a break afterwards and didn't return to recording until 1967 with an album called Tell Mama which contains our first featured song. Let's take another listen to a song that my English teacher always sang to me when I turned in a paper. I'd rather go blind. Oh. <laughs> I was picturing little Toby getting sad. <laughs> there's one piece desk. Don't turn that paper in, Toby. Don't do it. I'd rather go blind. <laughs> Don't do it. Than to see you walk away from me, child. If you walk away, take that paper with you, Toby. <laughs> take it with you. Well, blind from all the red marks on it. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Etta James continued to release music over the years, and although it was well-received, it didn't attract the same attention as her work in the 60s. It seems that as the years passed, she was starting to be more appreciated for her singing talents. Indeed. So someone recognized her skills, and that led to her singing for the opening ceremony for the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. She also won a Grammy for her performance on a Billie Holiday tribute album for Best Jazz Vocal Performance in 1994, and then was inducted in the Blues Hall of Fame in 2001. Unfortunately, Etta James had a lifetime struggle with substance abuse issues and was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2009 and then leukemia in 2011. She died on January 20th of 2012, but will always be remembered for her amazing voice. True indeed, true indeed. So what do you say we get into our next featured artist, who also happens to have an amazing voice? Can you tell us a little bit about Chris Stapleton? Well, Christopher Alvin Stapleton was born on April 15th, 1978 in Lexington, Kentucky. I guess it was a nice little present for his folks on, on tax day, right? Hey, right. another dependent. <laughs> Like any good country singer, Chris comes from a line of coal miners. Mm-hmm. He was a smart kid, too, as he was salutatorian of his high school. Well, not too smart, actually. He, he dropped out of engineering school at Vanderbilt after one year, right? Yeah. Stay in school, people. Stay in school. Stay well, in school. Unless you happen to be Chris Stapleton. And very true. Very in which true. case, you can just move to Nashville and make a name for yourself, which is what he did in 2001. Stapleton signed as a songwriter with the music publisher Seagale Music. That company was formed in 1999 by some guys you might have heard of. Let's start with one of them, Chris Dubois, who has written 17 songs that have hit number one. That's a lot. You think? Yeah. Including this duet between Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood. Let's listen to Remind Me. I don't want to settle for good, not great. 
I miss the way that it felt back then I want to feel that way again Been so long that you forget The way I used to kiss your neck Oh, yeah. A lot of folks can relate to that one. It's probably why it was the number one hit. Well, Brad Paisley happens to be the other founder of Seagale Music, which also includes producer Frank Rogers. It's kind of the triumvirate there. Mm-hmm. Seagale has written more hits than we can count in their short 20-year span, and the company was named the ASCAP Country Publisher of the Year in 2011 and 2012. So Chris Stapleton was clearly in good company as a writer on their roster. Well, he certainly carried on the tradition. In 2010, he co-wrote with Darius Rucker and Casey Bethard the lead single from the Rucker's second solo album, Charleston, South Carolina, 1966. Let's take a listen to Comeback Song. Cause I didn't know I needed you so Just happy to see Darius Rucker's sort of second career come around. Not that he ever went away, not that I was worried about him, but, right, you know, he seems like a good dude, right? Yeah, and very talented. He can sing. Definitely sing. And write songs. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris Stapleton has been a creative machine. He's got over 170 songwriting credits and six number one country songs, including this one in 2013 for Luke Bryan. Let's hear Drink a Beer. Can't believe you're really gone. Don't feel like going home. So I'm going to sit right here on the edge of this pier. Watch the sunset. So Drink a Beer is about the unexpected loss of a loved one, and Brian has called that tune the coolest sad song ever. But Stapleton hasn't limited his creative output to other artists. In 2008, he joined the band The Steel Drivers, and their self-titled debut went to number 57 in the country charts, and that song Blue Side of the Mountain was nominated for a Grammy. Let's hear that. And you'd recognize that voice anywhere. Man. I need to spend more time with this album, too. I don't listen to a ton of bluegrass either, but but some of the harmonies in this are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, their second album, Reckless, was released in 2010 and was also nominated for a couple more Grammys. Chris left the band in April. So you, you want a Grammy? Great, great, we got Grammys. I'm leaving. I'm out. All right. Yep. So he left the band in April to focus on songwriting and spending time with his family. Well, I think the pull to perform must have been a little bit too much, as that same year, he formed the southern rock band, the Johnson Brothers. I have no idea where that name came from. I'm just curious. They toured regionally in the southeast and had a stint opening for the Zac Brown Band. Country singer Jason Aldean uses the Johnson Brothers song, Secret Weapon, as the intro for his live shows. So let's hear how Chris Stapleton gets his rock voice on. It works. You I guess think? when you got a voice like that, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want, sir. Whatever you want. Man, could you imagine him with like a Guns N' Roses backing him up or yeah. whatnot? That yeah. would have been sick. Would have been fun. So Chris left the band in 2013 to pursue a solo career. He signed with Mercury Nashville and released his first single, What Are You Listening To?, it was part of a record that was never released, but we can still take a listen. Chase me back in time. Yeah, tonight I'm wondering. What do you, you know what? I, I think I kind of know why this didn't chart. 
Like it's a great, it's a it's a beautiful song, mm-hmm. but I think it's one of those that probably should have gone to another artist because it doesn't kind of quite fit his style. I think I don't know. That's just kind of my my take on it. But no, I, I hear you. I hear you. I don't know. I think I think it might have might have worked. Same song, just a different genre. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe that's true. Something like that, you know. Maybe pop version of the song might have done better, but you know who knows. Well, in 2015, his debut album was released, Traveler, which was inspired by a cross-country road trip after his father's death. His wife helped him sort through about 15 years of songs and narrow it down to nine. So I'd say they picked the right ones because Traveler hit number one on the Billboard 200 and went three times platinum. Three times. Yikes. That's all right. So a big moment for Chris was his performance at that year's Country Music Awards when he performed our second feature track, Tennessee Whiskey, with Justin Timberlake. It helped him land the CMA for Best New Artist in 2015. So I'm a little curious because I don't know that anyone with his history could be considered a new artist. But True. Maybe people weren't paying attention. But they were definitely paying attention to Chris's version of Tennessee Whiskey because it hit number one on the country charts and number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100. So a lot of people remember the George Jones version of that song from 1983 that went to number two on the Hot Country Singles charts. Let's hear that. You're as as Tennessee Whiskey You're as Wow, totally different. Yeah. It's like the difference between uh, Georgia Gibbs and Etta James. <laughs> right, yeah, that's <laughs> totally true. Totally different. Not bad, just different. Right, right. Well, the original version of Tennessee Whiskey was released by David Allen Coe on his 1981 album of the same name. It was kind of a minor hit. It reached number 77 on the country charts, so let's give it a spin. You're as smooth as Tennessee Whiskey you're as sweet as strawberry wine. Strawberry wine. When was the last sweet. time you had strawberry wine? Ooh, I'd rather not think about it. I'm sure it didn't end well. <laughs> well, Tennessee Whiskey was written by Dean Dillon and Linda Hargrove, two songwriters that crafted many wait, hits for wait, numerous artists. What, Bob what? Dylan wrote Tennessee Whiskey? No, not Bob Dylan. Dean Dillon. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, he's, he's written. Guy. He, this guy's written tons of songs. George Strait, Kenny Chesney, Toby Keith. Yeah, you're right. Many more. Bob Dylan does indeed make Tennessee whiskey, though. This is a true story. Hmm. He opened a distillery in Nashville called Heaven's Door, so... Road trip! Yes, sir. (laughs) Please. Well, Linda Hargrove also had her own run of success, including this hit for one of my other favorites, Olivia Newton-John. Oh, there you go. In 1975, that went all the way to number one on the easy listening and number five on the country charts... Let's hear Let It Shine. Hoping and a praying that the sun would shine again. Is there anybody out there who can shine anytime? So getting back to Stapleton's version of Tennessee Whiskey, Chris had this to say about how it came together. We had a show in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we were sound checking, waiting around for the mics to get set up. Me and the guys in the band started playing a little bit and got into that groove. So I started thinking, man, what song could I sing over top of this? For whatever reason, I started singing Tennessee Whiskey. At that time, we had a steel player by the name of Steve Henson, who used to play with George Jones on the road. Maybe that was part of the equation, but we decided to do the song that night and every night since. 
By the time we got into the studio, it was something we all enjoy playing. It's a part of the fabric of things that influenced me over the years. Well, a lot of folks on the interwebs have noticed the striking similarities between this version of Tennessee Whiskey and I'd Rather Go Blind. So let's just take a listen to how they sound together. I remember the day that I heard this song, I'd Rather Go Blind, and I think I called you right away, like, listen to this. Right, you did. You know what? You could literally sing these songs at the same time. You could. And that would be a very cool thing to do. That would be so awesome. Well, we should try that. Man! Yeah, and if you shifted it, it's kind of a cool call and response thing. Like, it'd it'd be fun to play with these two tracks. True that, true that. So there's no question a songwriter like Stapleton would be familiar with Etta James. He must have known that I'd Rather Go Blind track. Why not give her a songwriting credit, especially since he knows the importance of that given his profession? Yeah, I think this may be where we start to go down that old slippery slope. So yes, Stapleton certainly must have known that I'd Rather Go Blind track, but he's probably heard hundreds of other songs that have that exact same feel. It's just a slow blues groove. It's been done countless times. If we had to start licensing that... I don't think we'd be able to make new music. Yeah, no, I actually, I'm thinking that the rules in the future are probably going to have to ease up a They're going to have to. They're going to totally have to agree. ease up a little bit. The suing right now, and, you know, it's almost too, the, the, the cost of creativity is almost too much nowadays, so. Totally agree. Well, let's take a listen to a couple other versions of I'd Rather Go Blind. First, from the 2008 movie Cadillac Records, where Beyonce portrays Etta James and performs the song. Something told me it was all Okay, now, so let me say this. Do you hear any similarities between this and that Invoke song? Giving him something. Giving him something he can yeah. feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my wife pointed that out. Yeah. Shout out to Kaj. She, she pointed that out. No, it's true. Yeah. But again, that's a, it's, just, it's a groove. It's a groove. It's a groove. We, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a million of them. That's crazy. There's also a great version from Joe Bonamassa and Beth Hart from their 2011 collaboration album, Don't Explain. Let's take a listen to that. When I looked down in the glass that I held to my lips and I saw the reflection of the tears rolling down my face, that's when I knew I loved you and I couldn't do without you and I'd rather be a blind girl. Baby, 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 baby. I got a voice. Yeah, Beth can sing. Obviously different versions of the same song and groove, so to me, that's the fun of the blues. You can take the exact same progressions, use them as a template, and paint your own sonic masterpiece with your voice or your instrument. It's not about just the foundation. It's about the nuance and what you end up doing with it. Agreed. Agreed. So Chris Stapleton released two albums in 2017, From a Room, Volume 1 and 2. Both debuted at number two on the Billboard 200, and the song Broken Halos won the Grammy for Best Country Song. Let's give that a listen. His voice is so good, Joe. I love his voice. Man. I love his, his voice. His voice is so good. Yeah. He's got the right amount of grit to it. Yep. And he's not a one-trick pony. You know, he could, he could do a lot of different stuff. Clearly, right? Yeah. Bluegrass, rock, country. 
Now we'll jump to 2018, where he collaborated with Justin Timberlake for the song Say Something off of JT's Man in the Woods album. This reached the top 10 in the U.S. and many other countries, including number one in Slovenia. Yes. Yes. All right, let's hear it. Everyone knows all about my transgression. This next part is like my favorite part of this song. Well, it certainly seems like we can expect many more hits from Chris Stapleton. But now I think it's time we move on to our bonus material. What do you say we find some more interesting connections to Etta James? All right. Sounds fun. Where do you want to start? First, let's hear her 1962 song, Something's Got a Hold on Me. Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Talking about church, huh? It's church. <laughs> it's church. Now let's hear how Flo Rida sampled that for his 2011 hit, Good Feeling. Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling, yeah. I get a feeling that I never, 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 never had before. No, no, I get a good feeling, yeah. Oh, sometimes nice. Well, Avicii also used that same sample for his 2011 track, Levels. All right, all right. I see, I see what you're doing here, buddy. So mm-hmm. how about this one? First, we'll check out the 1961 Etta James song, Don't Cry, Baby. Don't cry, don't cry, baby. Don't cry, baby. Okay, I mean, I'm going to stop if she's singing to me like that. <laughs> And let's be sweet. Well, it depends on what, what she did to make me cry. Yeah, well, that's a good point. <laughs> There's a reason what she's singing that sweetly. Right, 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 right. All right, Tob, now we're going to get to one of your favorites. Yes. Let's hear how Army of the Pharaohs used this for their 2007 track, Don't Cry. Army of the Pharaohs, AOTP. Put our head high because it's been down for too long. And once you get it, don't get it in boats. Just do the knowledge, the greater the trial, the greater the growth. That's man real. Up. Don't cry when man, oh, man. That's awesome. So Ed has done some flipping of the country script herself. Remember the top 10 hit from Little Big Town, Boondocks? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Etta covered it on her 29th and final studio album in 2011, The Dreamer. Let's hear her version of Boondocks. Yeah, that's right. You make that stink face. You need to. Mm-hmm. Her, her voice, it changed over the years, but man, it's, but still it's nice. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Oof. it's good stuff. Well, that is not the only interesting cover on that album. You talked about flipping the script, right? Well, uh-huh. let's hear how Etta covered the Guns N' Roses classic, Welcome to the Jungle. And oh. yes, yes, I said Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. All right, let's do it. Now listen. Welcome to the jungle. It's worse every day. Learn to live like an animal in the jungle where we play. Okay, Anna. If you got a hunger for what you see, you'll take it eventually. You can have anything you want, but you better not, you better not, better not take yeah. it from me. Good stuff. 
Good stuff, as always, my friend. I think that's about all the time we have left in this episode. So can you tell the good people all that we covered? Our first feature track was Etta James' I'd Rather Go Blind, and our second feature track was Chris Stapleton's version of Tennessee Whiskey. For our bonus material, we connected some other artists to Etta James, but tell me, sir, what do we have lined up for our next episode? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked. We will have some strawberries. Nice. Maybe 23 or so. Oh, huh. And then we'll also apologize to Ms. Jackson. Wow. Well, that is a very specific number, so you you must be for real. (laughs) You know it. All right. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So until then, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time for Riffs on Riffs. Keep listening. Huzzah. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Isabel Robertson. Audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit evergreenpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm your co-host, Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. podcast fans want to get weird with us come check out the mad scientist podcast we are a weekly show that looks at the history philosophy and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions did the government really pay for a psychic spy program yes is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing yes can a roller coaster really kill you Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.